This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Stu does America. Tomorrow I'm going to be in Iowa for a presidential forum. The details are very interesting. We will get into that uh, on tomorrow's show. We're not going to be actually on on tomorrow's show, but Tucker Carlson's going to be there, a bunch of the presidential candidates. We're going to be there. Uh, make sure you check it out. Uh, it is uh, going to be on Blaze TV if you're a subscriber. Most of it's going to be, on, I think, on YouTube as well. But uh, the exclusive interview with Glenn Beck and Tucker Carlson talking about... Lot, I mean, Glenn went through a lot of prep here for this one. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, that's only for Blaze TV subscribers. BlazeTV.com slash stew. The promo code is stew. You can check that out uh, right there. If you're watching this show on YouTube, we would love for you to like the video right now. Helps us spread the word. You can subscribe to the channel. Drop a con- comment below. Uh, click the bell for notifications. Do all those things. We appreciate it. Justin Haskins is back today to just to continue our deep dive into his new book with Glenn Beck. Uh, The White House uh, cocaine mystery has come to an end, sort of. Uh, The details are incredible on this one. Uh, We got the latest coming up here in just a couple of minutes. We're going to start by doing Dark Future. Again, this is Glenn's new book. Uh, You can get it at glennsnewbook.com. It is uh, available now everywhere. And it's the second in the series with Great Reset being the first one, Dark Future being the second one. Great Reset kind of says, hey, Here's a plan that we, we're, we're going to try to implement. As this is especially tied into when COVID was going on. We kind of know about that now. We've kind of seen the things like ESG that are part of that plan. This takes that plan and builds on it what's coming in the future. And uh, spoiler alert, it's dark. <laughs> it's not necessarily good. Now, I'm going to get into the details on this with Justin Haskins, who's Glenn's co-author here in just a couple of minutes. But I want to stop here and talk about how the press handles this, because it's really frustrating. If you look at this stuff and you are concerned about it and you're concerned about the future of your country, you look at these types of plans and say, we need to do something to stop this. The media's response to that is it's not even happening. You're a conspiracy theorist. This isn't even going on. And to be fair, we've talked about this many times. There are conspiracy theories associated with a term like the Great Reset that, is, that aren't true. And that was one of the reasons why Glenn wrote the book, The Great Reset, to separate what was true and what was not. What's cra- a crazy conspiracy theory online and what is absolutely obvious from their own documents and their own statements. Now, this is all in the book. You can read uh, both of these books and take all of this in. Now, the book, by the way, is called Dark Future, uh, Uncovering the Great Reset's Terrifying Next Phase. Glenn did a special on this last night as well, if you want to get even more info on it. Uh, but I want to kind of focus for a minute on how the press is doing, uh, dealing with this. Now, they, Yahoo News and AFP, they've done a fact check. Glenn Beck misleads on climate report, comma, meat consumption. And it's a fascinating story about how the media draws these lines to try to convince you that this stuff isn't real. How do they do that? They don't, I mean, it's hard to say that it's not real completely, but they have a couple of tools that they go to over and over and over again. Let me give you a piece of this. A video from Glenn Beck, this is a video basically about the book, Dark Future. 
An American conservative commentator claims a proposal backed by the World Economic Forum would limit meat and dairy in smart cities by 2030. This is false. The document cited as evidence is an independent climate analysis that makes no specific policy recommendations. So, like, if you just read that, what you'd say is Glenn just made this up, right? He is a conspiracy theorist. He wants to scare you about the World Economic Forum for whatever reason, and this, there's no basis in fact here. And they say, it's not like, well, there's some truth to this, but we think he's gone too far, or something like that. No, this is false, is their summary of this. The World Economic Forum calls them smart cities, this is quoting Glenn, which seems great. Progressive urban designers like the UK-headquartered Arup Group they have their own section on the WEF website. They're gaming uh, what smart cities might look like. Again, Glenn's not saying they have all of the policies in place there. He's saying they're gaming what smart cities might look like. They're planned for 2030. Your family will eat zero amounts of meat and zero amounts of dairy. Each person will be restricted to 2,500 calories a day. What? Each family member will only receive three new items of clothing per year. Now, this has been posted all over the place. It's gone viral. Of course, this means the media has to come in and play uh, you know, defense and interference for the administration and, of course, the World Economic Forum. Uh, this is, of course, spread around a lot. And, and it makes sense that it would spread around a lot. If someone's saying you can't eat meat and you can, you can only have a, you can't eat any dairy and you can only have 2,500 calories a day and three clothing items uh, for a year, people are going to notice that. Well, where did this come from? Is it just out of Glenn's incredible conspiratorial mind? That's certainly the impression you get by reading the summaries of these stories. When you actually read the entire story, it's a little different. It says, to support his segment, Beck cites a June 2019 report from the C40 Cities Climate Leadership Group. Now, what is the C40 Cities Climate Leadership Group? It is a collection of it's at least 40 mayors from around the world. Now, you might say, well, what are the 40 mayors? What, you know, the small town next to me? Are they you know, some liberal town with 400 people in it? No, we're talking cities like New York City, um, Shanghai, Beijing, uh, Washington, D.C., Phoenix, um, you know, Buenos Aires, uh, Madrid, I mean, like every big city you can kind of pull out, including, by the way, I kid you not, this came in, uh, what was it, June 2019? I kid you not, Wuhan. Just throwing that out there, Wuhan was one of the participating cities. Now, this is a page. The group is a global network of nearly 100 mayors, I guess is the total number now, working to combat climate change. And they have a page on the WEF website. So this group, Glenn's saying the WEF is involved in this effort for these things to happen. It is a real group. They admit that. It does have a page on the WEF website. They are associated with the World Economic Forum. They admit that. In fact, they link to the documents Glenn's talking about. And let me give you the easiest piece to summarize where Glenn got this information. This chart, it comes from the C40 Cities Report on the World Economic Forum website. And what you see here is a progressive target in 2030 of how much meat per person per year, which is 16 kilograms. An ambitious target would be zero kilograms. Zero kilograms of meat for you. Zero kilograms of dairy consumption for you. 2,500 calories per day, uh, zero household food waste, and 75% reduction in supply chain food waste. That is the ambitious target for the C40. Now, the defense here from the fact check is to basically say these 40 mayors 
don't have the power to implement this across the globe, which of course is true. We don't have a global government, at least yet. What they do have the power to is influence policy considerably in these 100 cities, which are talking about massive centers of population. And of course, they also have the ear of the World Economic Forum. We all know about Davos. Why do we know about Davos? That's not a name like New York City or Beijing. Why do we know the name Davos? Because all the really important people get together and talk about all their priorities, all their goals, all their aspirations, all the things they want to implement with all their buddies and all their friends back when they go home. They take their private jets home, they ruin the environment, and then they go talk to all their politician friends and say, you know what, our priorities should be X, Y, and Z. Now, they can't just implement those policies, at least here. In Beijing, a lot of times they can because they're centralized governments, but here you can't just do that. That's part of the reason why they say this has fallen apart for Glenn, because Glenn says, hey, this is real, And this is something you should be worried about. Now, they say, and Glenn's wording again was uh, that they are, they have urban designers. They are gaming what smart cities might look like. And I'm saying it's definitely going to look like this way. But here is their plan for 2030. They say this statement is false. Now, of course, if you look back at this chart, ambitious target for 2030. What does the word target actually mean? Now, I know it's a store that you may or may not be shopping at these days. It also is a word that uh, you're not allowed to put in political ads, as Sarah Palin once learned. But the definition in this context for a target is an objective or result toward which efforts are directed. So this is the thing they want to happen. Now, in their little defense, uh, the organization says, well, we wouldn't be able to do all this as far as policy. These aren't specific policy recommendations. We're just saying that individuals need to make decisions to try to get to these targets. And it's like, well, a couple things here. Number one, you are saying that this is the ambitious target. This is the, the end point of what you want to see happen. Glenn doesn't say this is a, a current policy they're voting on in the United States government. He's saying this is their design for the future. This is the type of thing they want. It's an ambitious target. They are trying to get to this point. They don't always know what path they're going to take. And beyond this, how many times have we seen this happen? Go back and think for a second. Hey, uh, you know, um, electric cars. There's no law requiring that all cars must be electric by 2030, but every automobile manufacturer has announced that they're going to do it anyway. Why? Because of pressures like this, because of programs like this. Go back and read Al Gore's book from the late 90s and you'll see he wanted to get rid of the uh, combustion engine. That environmental effort uh, formed plans like this that pressured lawmakers and companies over a long period of time. And it wasn't because of customer desire. All combustion engines are now going away. This is how this works. And what happens is you get down these roads, these things start to happen, and these companies are either threatened uh, or they wind up going along to keep what is now known as an ESG score or other favorability markers with the U.S. government. This is how this works. And, I, you know, they can say it's wrong and say he, he's false all, all, he, all, he wants, uh, all they want on this. But think about this in your own life for a second. If you went to your wife and you said, you know what, I have an ambitious target to sleep with our babysitter. 
Now, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't have a specific plan to accomplish it. I don't have a policy. I can't force her to do it. You know, I, I can't. Do, it's only if she goes along with it. And, you know, individuals have to make their own decisions on that, honey. But I do have an ambitious plan to sleep with our babysitter. Would that work for you? Do you think they'd be like, well, the fact check on that one is he doesn't want to sleep with our babysitter. No, of course not. When you you when people make requests, when they make uh, grand designs on our world and they tell you exactly what those designs look like, your best bet is to believe them because this is what they will pursue and they will be pursuing it. When you're watching NFL games, when you're at the bar with your friends, when you're at your kid's soccer game, when you're hanging out at home with your wife, when all those things are going on, these groups will continue to go after these ambitious targets over and over again. How will they do it, though? That's what the book Dark Future is about. We talk with the co-author of the book, along with Glenn Beck, Justin Haskins, in just a second to kind of give us the outline on not only where we're going, but how they plan to get there. Well, maybe you want to continue to eat meat in your life. Maybe that's something you prioritize, but you want not just any meat, you want the best meat. Well, you're going to want Moink. That's moo plus oink. That's how they came up with Moink, the Moink box. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon right to your door. You just choose the meat delivered in every box. So, you know, ribeyes, chicken breasts, pork chops, salmon fillets, whatever you want. And you can cancel anytime. It's nice and easy. Moink, uh, of course, has a, it's a different type of company. Uh, the, the difference that you can taste, really. You can feel good knowing that you're helping family farms stay financially independent. If you're going out on the grill this summer, you don't want to put anything on the grill. You want to make this right for your family. Moinkbox.com slash stew. Go there now. Listeners of this show get a free uh, year of ground beef. A year of ground beef. That's a lot of burgers. It's one year of the best ground beef you'll ever taste, but for a limited time, M-O-I-N-K-box.com slash stew, moinkbox.com slash stew. Check it out now, moinkbox.com slash stew. I'm joined once again by Justin Haskins. He's the Socialism Research Center Director for the Heartland Institute and co-author of the new book, Dark Future, Uncovering the Great Reset's Terrifying Next Phase, which he wrote with our own Glenn Beck and is available now. Make sure to grab a copy or two or three. Justin, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate being chosen over Glenn to be on the show. Yes, that was definitely, we tried to, you know. I know. We, they were like, well, Justin might not be able to make it. And I said, well, I guess we can have Glenn if we have to. But uh, I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for coming on. I mean, you, you dove into a lot of this research. You guys worked really closely together for over a year on this book. And it is sort of one in a series. We talked about that a little bit earlier this week. One of the things that kind of is part of the Great Reset, but also works its way to this book a lot, is the idea that ownership of things, of your home, of your car, of your life, uh, is something that I think we all kind of depend on. And a lot, of, a lot of our planning goes into how will I own more? How will I pay for the things that I own? How will I uh, you know, use the assets that I do acquire? And the vision for the future from the elites who are trying to design a brand new system from us, the next phase in the Great Reset, 
has nothing to do with ownership at all, does it? No, in fact, well, it does have something to do with ownership. It's getting rid of it. (laughs) (laughs) The whole, it's funny because sometimes people make the mistake, and I understand this because I made this mistake as well. When they talk about the Great Reset in particular, um, they have a tendency to say something like, that's socialism, or this is a socialistic type system. Sure. But it's not really socialism because socialism involves the collective ownership and management of property. Mm -hmm. But this is all about taking the property away from almost everybody and giving it to a very tiny, small number of giant corporations who then decide how that property is best used. So I think one of the ways to understand this is that there's a part of it that's a plan and part of it is just sort of how elites see the natural evolution of things, uh, which is also how Karl Marx views socialism, by the way. Mm -hmm. But it's like this idea that as uh, we move into a more modern society and technology advances more and wealth has been further concentrated in the hands of big corporations and wealthy people and you know governments to, to a big extent as well. Um, ownership is going to become easier for them and harder for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a good thing in the minds of many of these people because it's really hard to get hundreds of millions of people globally who own property and tens of millions of people in the United States, more than 100 million that own property to do the right thing or in their minds, do the right right thing, thing. do whatever they want you to do, right? But it's much easier to get just a handful of corporations to do what they want. They have no trouble doing that. That's what the Great Reset is all about. Mm -hmm. So if they can do things that further the ownership of property in the hands of a small number of people through monetary policy and the banking system and zoning laws and all of this stuff, they can make it easier for the the 1%, so to speak, and big corporations to control things, then it's easier for them to just control everything. Mm -hmm. And what people don't understand is that our constitution and your rights, that whole system was set up in a world where property ownership was sort of the bedrock of this. This was the ideal that we wanted for people. Um, Many of the rights that you have do not exist if you don't own the property. So you have a right to own a gun. The government can't take that away from you, contrary to what a lot of people on the left want. The government can't do that. But there's nothing stopping in most states, there's nothing stopping uh, the landlord from saying you can't have a gun in your house. Mm -hmm. Most people don't know that. Mm -hmm. So you know, if it's really hard to own property and a lot of young people don't anymore, then you don't really have a Second Amendment right, actually. Now, what happens when you don't own a car anymore? Because that's the direction the car companies are moving in. They all believe that eventually you're not going to have a car. It's all going to be either automated or it's going to be like an Uber-like service. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be great for you because you don't have to worry about maintenance of a car and buying a car. and It's more affordable in a a sense for you, right? but then you don't get to decide where you can and cannot go or when you can leave and when you can't leave. These are the kinds of things that they're talking about doing openly. And they like this because of all the reasons that I said before, it's more power, more control for them, less control, less power for you. And the other thing is it allows them to um, erase history, essentially, to change things on the fly. Because if you own a Kindle book, You think you own it, but you actually don't own that Kindle book or other kinds of Nook has that too for Barnes and Noble. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't really own that. You're just kind of buying the rights to it. It can be changed. It can be removed. It can be taken from your library. That's 
that's very enticing for people that want to control culture and society. Yeah, we're seeing this with you know best picture winners from the past that have scenes that are controversial. They're just being pulled right out. Books are being edited in real time, sometimes deleted completely if they're not appropriate. And it's tough because I think some of the stuff is appealing to people. I, I like I don't. You know, like the the idea. If I were to say right now, I'm gonna get rid of my car and I'm just gonna take an Uber every day, the cost would probably be somewhere around the same. I would have a little bit less freedom, but I, I get to do. You know, I get to watch TV or read on, on the way uh, in, on my phone on the way into work. There are things that I can see would be appealing. You know, not doing the maintenance of my house every time something stupid breaks in my house. I all I think about is wanting, wishing I was renting at that time. <laughs> you know, a lot of this stuff. And, and it goes along with all the technological developments you talk uh, about in the book as well, are things that are going to make people's lives, at least at the beginning, immediately easy yes. or easier. And, you know, I see no appetite to resist that from the American people or anywhere else in the world, frankly. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. That's true. They're, it's not as though they are imposing the system. By they, I mean global elites, financial institutions. They are in a sense, mm -hmm. but in another real sense, they're just kind of playing into our desires as people. We want yeah. our lives to be easier. We want the ability to have to avoid those costs. If we can do these things, this is why these services were developed in the first place. I mean, Uber exists for a reason. Airbnb exists for a reason. Sure. These sharing services, they exist. There are good market reasons for why they exist. And so all these people have to do that have this massive amount of power and control and wealth is urge that along, make it even easier, and then make it harder for you to actually own the property. So if they can make it even more expensive for you to buy a home, which they absolutely have, the average cost of a home has gone up by well over $100,000 since 2020. Okay, the average sales price of a home. Most people don't realize that, but it's skyrocketed in the midst of a global shutdown, right. an economic shutdown. <laughs> we saw massive increases in the cost of buying a home. Bizarre. That only makes sense if you're deliberately trying to set up the financial system in a way that something like that would happen. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen from supply and demand. Right. <laughs> supply and demand doesn't cause that to happen. So they have, they have created an entire system that is moving toward making property ownership more expensive by, through regulations, through monetary policy, through financial decisions and things like that. And um, they think that you will be happier, and in some ways we will be, but the cost of that convenience will be your freedom, your ability to make decisions. Again, if you can't own a home, because let's say every home in America costs $10 million, okay? Right, right. Then most people can't own a home. Then you don't really, it doesn't matter if there's a Second Amendment because you can't own a gun anywhere anyway, right? And that's the whole point. That idea is, is widely discussed by these people and it's amazing how open they are about how great it's going to be when you don't actually own anything. Yeah, and it's, everyone gets so focused on elections, which are important, but like this is a totally different layer here. Um, uh, let's talk about more of their vision here. Uh, their idea for smart cities. This is something that if you live in, particularly in an urban area, you probably have heard politicians in your town talking about it, trying to get you that we need more of a smart city here. They, these phrases sound good. What's wrong with being smart? What do you want, a dumb city? But the smart city that they envision is not the one that we want. <laughs> no. And again, this is another one of these things where they're able to sell you on lots of conveniences. So the idea behind a smart city is let's embed technology everywhere. Let's know what's happening 
everywhere in the city. Not just with cameras, which is a huge part of it, but also with a variety of different sensors for water usage, for example, and rain, you know, runoff and all kinds of different things. Let's know what's happening everywhere all the time. And the convenience of that will be they can do a better job maintaining the city. It can be more affordable. They can crack down on crime because who's going to commit crime when there's cameras everywhere? There's all sorts of different advantages of that water usage and making sure the sewage system works more effectively and all of that. And, and there are real benefits to it. And people really will save money and there probably would be less crime if there was a camera literally everywhere. <laughs> oh, right? That's a demolition man. Right? Remember, <laughs> yeah. that? I don't remember that movie? <laughs> right. Yeah, there's cameras everywhere and but there wasn't any crime. Yeah. But it wasn't a society anybody wanted. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the point. Right. So they're they're building it. They're only talking about the benefits. And then what they'll do is they'll say, well, don't worry, we're going to build in all kinds of privacy protections. So you don't have anything to worry about. But those privacy protections are a subject to change whenever they want and be not really privacy protections, right, right, right. you know? And so it's one of these things where we're going to spy on everything you're doing. But don't worry, if you're not a criminal, it's not going to be held against you. Mm. But the, the, the amount of data that's being collected in, in many of these cities now is so extreme that in some places, my, well, my favorite example from the book is they have in, put water sensors on the sewage system in, I think it was in New York that they started doing this, so that they can tell when there's a sewage overflow problem, okay? Okay. And then when they start to see this being an issue, they created an SMS text alert system so that they can inform everybody in the city area that's being monitored to stop flushing their toilets. So they're literally monitoring your use <laughs> of the toilet and sewage overflow so they can control the amount of crap that's going into the system. That's literally something that they're already doing. And in China, they've fully embraced this as a way of controlling society, making society better. And again, in China, do you have uh, the kind of stuff that you see, the, the same kind of rampant crime? You don't have people in China walking into Kohl's or walking into Target or something and just stealing stuff off the shelf no. and then running up. No. That would never be allowed. You'd no. be executed, okay? There's no chance of that happening. But again, we don't want that world. We don't want to live in communist China's vision for the world. Um, but in many respects, so much of what the smart city plan is is a way of controlling people through this technology, which again is the theme of this book. And by the way, just real quick, the World Economic Forum has partnered with cities all over the world, including many cities in the United States, Dallas, Texas being one of them, um, on a plan to embrace this smart city technology to help roll it out. There's also thousands of local governments that they're working with Jeez. that are not in cities. Uh, again, trying to build this. Glenn talked a lot about this, and you remember this, the Agenda 21 days. Oh, that yeah. was the early phase of this. We're now in the much more technologically advanced version of what they were talking about back then. Okay. Um, can you hang out for a couple more minutes? All of right. course. All right. Justin Haskins, uh, the new book is available now. It's Dark Future, Uncovering the Great Reset's Terrifying Next Phase. It's available right at this moment, written with Glenn Beck, of course. Be sure to grab your copy today. We'll be back in a second.
We are back with Justin Haskins. He's the co-author of the brand new book, Dark Future, Uncovering the Great Reset's Terrifying Next Phase. It is available right now. You should definitely pick up a copy. Uh, Justin, a lot of the book looks forward, which is necessary. Like it's, it's, it's trying to figure out, you know, where's all this going and what are they saying uh, publicly about where they want this to go. Um, but let me take it to right now here for a second. A lot of the stuff is in process. We know that. But I think a lot of people still are in the middle saying, oh, well, you know, Joe Biden, he's, you know, first of all, he looks like he's half asleep at every uh, speech. Uh, he doesn't look, he's not AOC. He doesn't have that vision for America. He's just a normal old Democrat. It's no big deal. Does, what is Joe Biden's role in all of this? And, and is, does he see the world the same way? Well, I don't know what Joe Biden's role is personally in anything, <laughs> <laughs> frankly. In ordering dinner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I truly don't know anymore. I, I saw a video of him uh, the other day struggling with a beach chair, and he really looked <laughs> yes. like the beach chair was winning. It so was winning. It yes. was. So um, I, I don't know what Joe Biden understands about any of this. It's irrelevant. The people around him understand this. That's the thing that's important. They have been actively working for a while to make sure that ESG and other policies are being embedded in emerging technologies. Um, the two really great examples of that are, of course, the Biden administration has been a huge supporter of central bank digital currency, a programmable central bank digital currency, a digital dollar, a whole new currency that would be tracked, it would be traced, it could be controlled and manipulated by design. That's all stated in Biden administration documents. You just have to look it up. They openly admit that that's the purpose of this. It's going to help improve the environment and crack down on organized crime and all these other wonderful benefits. And of course, everything you do every single day will be watched and potentially controlled. Um, another really incredible example of it is the things that they're doing on artificial intelligence. Uh, very recently, I think it was within the last six months or so, uh, the Biden administration, or maybe a little longer, the Biden administration put together an AI Bill of Rights. And in the AI Bill of Rights, they included something that I don't consider to be a right at all, and that is uh, freedom from what they say is discrimination uh, in algorithms. And that's another way of talking about artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. That's just a really advanced algorithm. Um, but when they say discrimination, they mean unequitable outcomes that emerge from the algorithm. So in other words, if you have an AI that's job is to make sure that a bank is providing uh, good loans to people, okay? Sure. Um, if the outcome is unequitable based on racial outcomes or other things, so uh, regardless of whether you're talking about the loans made sense from a financial standpoint, right. it's just the results aren't perfectly equitable. Mm -hmm every the same percentage of african-americans and white people and all other races right. got loans could be for a million different reasons it could be any reason color. at all then they would say that's discrimination and that we need to design the ai to make sure that that isn't happening so that's something that they're actually talking about doing they have all kinds of allies in davos of course joe biden has been heavily involved with the world economic forum and the v numerous things that they're doing on this issue and so yes joe biden is the bumbling old man who doesn't really know what's going on anymore that's true just lashing out at people all over the place <laughs> absolutely i believe those reports i think it's true but the people around him understand whoever controls the next wave of technology will control the world. And that's why they're trying to embed it with their values right from the very start so that they can control 
everything. Mm, it's amazing. And you're already seeing this happening, obviously, with the, the AI stuff that's coming out now. You could look at ChatGPT, you can certainly find some liberal bias uh, in it. And, but even more than that, I think one of the things that's really noticeable about trying to utilize this technology today is the incredible amount of disclaimers you're going through all the time. Every time you, uh, if you, you use this technology, you're asking a question, and it will give you three paragraphs of dumb disclaimers that, like, you, everyone knows. Like, they, they, they don't need to put that in there, but they feel the need to put it in there because they want to uh, move you in a, in a particular way. And you can see how this would be, if it's dominating our society, it's going to, uh, to have, be a real problem. And I, and I go back to what we talked about a little earlier. You know, I know people who work in, in, uh, in, uh, as writers and people who do marketing and things like this. They talk about the chat GPT thing in, in a way that's really interesting in that, like, they can't possibly imagine not utilizing it. It's so obvious that I'm not going to spend two hours writing something and instead get something written in 30 seconds and then just trim it up. Why it would be the craziest thing in the world not to do it. Yes. And this technology is only going to get better and better and make people's lives easier. It's probably going to cure some major disease someday. It's going to do something incredible. And at that time, what we're going to have to do is rely on, I guess, people to say, hey, no, I don't want these conveniences. I don't want these things. I'm instead just going to choose to push towards foundational principles. I mean, what country are we talking about here? Yeah, I, I mean, I think a good way of thinking about it is if you imagine uh, the, diff the, the gap between a typewriter and typing on a computer with a word processing program and all the advantages of using Microsoft Word or something like that instead of a typewriter, a physical typewriter, okay? That gap is happening all over the place now with artificial intelligence and other things like mm -hmm. ChatGPT. And if Microsoft suddenly decided, you know what, we're not just, we're just not gonna allow people to say certain things in Microsoft Word, we're just not gonna allow it, we're gonna stop it, right. okay? They could, they yeah. could design that tomorrow and do that. Now, let's say they did that and let's say all the other word processing programs like Microsoft, there are not that many of them, decided to do that. Would we all go back to typewriters on principle? No. no, no, we wouldn't. We would have to design our own word processing unit in order to do this, or a program, in order to have a competitor, okay. But what if that company isn't allowed to have a bank account? Because the or, financial firms say, we don't want to back this, or... The ISP blocks it. Or, or the ISP it blocks it, or the app stores don't allow it on any of your smart devices, or whatever it is. We saw this play out with Parler when Parler yeah. tried to launch. They literally destroyed it. I mean, that Parler was, the right was told, if you don't like Twitter, make your own social media company. Mm -hmm. So they did. So they did. And then they killed it. Mm -hmm. And then we were told, well, if you don't like that, then just make your own what? App store, your own <laughs> operating system, your, your own, own Apple network. iPhone company, yeah. Yeah. your own servers. Even when they tried to buy their own servers, they were denied from the app stores. So literally, uh, when you have that kind of collusion all together, uh, and everyone who has wealth and power working in the same direction, in the emerging world, you don't have the opportunity for competition. It just isn't going to be allowed. And as technology continues to uh, centralize that power, and it is, there are not going to be lots of chat GPTs. There might be a few, mm -hmm. but there's not going to be a million of them, okay? Because it's too hard to make one. As that continues to happen, uh, you're going to have less and less freedom unless there are protections built into it right from the very start that guarantee that you have it in the first place. Mm, it's really amazing. Um, 
Um, and, and like, I, you know, I know you are, and I am, I'm pretty defensive of the free market, but what you're describing here is not the free market. What they're trying to implement here is, is not the free market. It's something else. We know what the free market is. We, we know, we talked about this earlier, talking about what socialism is, and it's not exactly this. Uh, it's not exactly fascism. It is some other third or fourth way here. What, how, what is this exactly? <laughs> yeah, in, in uh, the, the last book that Glenn and I did, we called it 21st century fascism mm -hmm. because we didn't know exactly how to characterize it. It is kind of like fascism because fascism is, has socialistic principles, but it's really the government in partnership with the private sector but the private sector is really, for the most part, doing whatever the government wants. Right. That's what fascism is, for the most part. And this is kind of an updated version of that. There's no doubt about it. But I would argue that a lot of it is being fueled by central banks, which is the part of it that so many people miss out on because it, they're just so boring to talk about <laughs> central <laughs> right. banks and understand what's going on. But, but we are printing trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. We do it all the time now. It's commonplace. Mm -hmm. We're basically operating under modern monetary theory. And what has been happening is that money goes to big corporations and well, it goes to banks first and then to big corporations and it goes to big investment management firms. These are the people that get the money first. And they've had so much additional money floating around their coffers that they now have the ability to say, you know, we're going to use it to control things. And if we lose a little bit of money, that's okay from supply and demand. We'll make up for it. We'll be fine. It's going to be okay. That's why you saw the stock market skyrocket when they closed the entire economy down and didn't allow people to leave their homes. The stock market went up. That doesn't make that doesn't happen in a free market. No. That's why property prices went up. That's why you saw the average cost of a home go up more than $100,000. That's why we're seeing these things. It's being driven by that. So essentially what they realized was if because they have the ability to print the money and because they know that money can control almost anything, in a way, the market is still operating. It's just that the big corporations, big tech companies are now chasing the dollars controlled by the banks, the central banks, and the government, not from the consumer, because the consumer doesn't have as much money as those other people. Yeah. That is kind of how a market works. You chase the money. It's just the systems become so corrupt and broken, the money is now not a free market thing in and of itself. Right, it's in a way a market, but it's not a free market. Right. right? There's a massive distinction there. Um, there's so much to go through here. We're really just scratching the surface. The book is out now. You should go get a copy of it. It's called Dark Future, Uncovering the Great Reset's Terrifying Next Phase. It's co-authored with Glenn Beck and, of course, Justin Haskins, who's been here talking to us about it. Justin, thanks so much for going through all of this, and I'd love to have you back on to, to talk more about it. Of course, Stu. Thanks. Well, life is full of routines until they take them all away from you. Uh, sometimes those routines are better than others. Sometimes you can make your day a lot better just by changing something simple, like wearing comfortable clothes, for example. For guys, it starts with your boxers, and that's why I gotta tell you about Undertack. This is uh, the most comfortable pair of men's boxers you're gonna wear. Uh, this is, uh, we're talking not normal stuff. This is not normal stuff. Undertack is made with modal, which I don't know what it is, but I know it's really comfortable. It's kind of like half cotton, uh, half moisture wicking. I don't know what the heck it is. It's really, really comfortable. 
available. Uh, and it stays in place with a sturdy yet comfortable extra wide waistband. Uh, the fly design is brilliantly straightforward. Undertack is durable, ultra light, fade resistant, and shrink resistant. And the best part, they're like 30% less than the competition. So go pick up a drawerful today. Improve your life. Uh, get Undertack. Undertack.com. Undertack.com. Get 20% off site-wide right now when you use the offer code STU20. By the way, Undertack's a great company. They, they donate a portion of their profits to veteran-run organizations that are actively fighting human trafficking. Uh, we all want that to stop. Uh, at least, the, I don't know, conservatives do. I don't, I don't know. I, see, lately, I haven't even, I can't tell if everyone does, but at least some, some people do. Um, pick up a pair today. Undertack does. They want it to stop. Go to undertack.com. Undertack.com. Use the offer code STU20 at undertack.com. AI is kind of a fancy thing. It's, first of all, it's two letters. It means artificial intelligence. But ultimately what it is, is it's about machine learning. And so the machine is taught. What? And part of the issue here is what information is going into the machine. Wow. That will then determine, and, and we can predict then, if we think about what, machine, what information is going in, what then will be produced in terms of decisions and opinions um, that may be made through that process. Oh, it's two letters? It stands for what? Artificial intelligence. Now, a lot of people are mocking uh, Kamala Harris on that. A couple things. First of all, I asked uh, ChatGPT, and her information checks out. I said, is AI two letters, and does it stand for artificial intelligence? And ChatGPT responded, yes, AI is an abbreviation that stands for artificial intelligence. It consists of two letters, A and I. So number one, she's on the money. But number two, uh, she's talking about the inputs when it comes to this, uh, uh, you know, stuff that's going on with artificial intelligence. That is important. They are focused on it. And that's a part, big part of what Dark Future is. Before we, uh, I, I can't, I can't even believe what I'm about to tell you. Uh, the cocaine investigation has wrapped up. Who did it? I mean, that's obviously would be the answer. When, it, when an investigation wraps up, you want to know who's responsible. Um, no one, apparently. Uh, they are literally, this is, I swear, I, I, have, I am skeptical of the government. I think they're terrible at pretty much everything. But I literally cannot believe I'm about to tell you this information. The Secret Service ends the White House cocaine investigation with no leads. A bag of coke was found in the White House, and they have no leads. No leads. I can give you a laptop that will show you somebody you might want to investigate, but that's a whole other story. Um, the mystery of who brought uh, the cocaine into the White House remains unsolved. Secret Service investigation has concluded with no usable forensic or video evidence identifying the person responsible. You're telling me there's no fingerprints on the bag of cocaine? Uh, who was wearing gloves? As Glenn asked this morning, who was, who was wearing gloves as they were walking through security? That might give you a little tip off. How is it possible that they have no fingerprints on this. They have no, no camera footage that can support this whatsoever. Does anyone believe that? At the very least, anyone who is in this room should be going through a lengthy investigation and interrogation as to whether they were the ones. No information. We don't even know who found it yet. It's absolutely incredible. Think about this. And I think the reason why we even and you think about this, if they just found cocaine in the White House, if you, we think about House of Cards before, you know, Kevin Spacey got, you know, really weird. Um, 
if they found cocaine in the White House, what that administration would do would say, don't tell anyone, right? No one would know about the cocaine in the White House. And that's exactly what this administration would do as well. I think what happened here is they saw white powder. They assumed it was some evil right winger who was trying to attack them with anthrax or ricin or something. And so they released the information. Gee, Joe Biden is under attack from more white powder incidents. Then they realize it was cocaine. They know exactly who it is, or at least they've narrowed it down to five people. Uh, but they will not tell us. And not only will they not tell us, they won't even lie to us and say, hey, we couldn't figure it out yet. We're going to keep looking. They're going to say literally that this is it. They're ending the investigation with no freaking idea. I kid you not. This is a real story. And this is really your country. So as we're finishing up here on the show today, I'm going to fly to Iowa. And last time I was there for political purposes was in January, right before a caucus, and it was freaking cold. So this is going to be a much more enjoyable trip, I will tell you that. Blaze Media is teaming up with the family leader to host the first presidential forum of the 2024 primaries. And the best part, the forum is going to be moderated by none other than Tucker Carlson, his first public event since his departure from Fox News. So get signed up to Blaze TV. You can go to blazetv.com or go to blazemediasummit.com. Use the code SUMMIT for 30 bucks off. You'll get an exclusive interview with Glenn Beck and Tucker Carlson, as well as all of the candidates. It's blazemediasummit.com. Use the code SUMMIT to join us, and we'll see you from Iowa tomorrow.